Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, let me just introduce myself to you. Most of you probably don't, uh, don't know me. Uh, I'm Mitch Kolonoski. That's just Mitch to you, okay? You don't even have to try the last name. And uh, my wife, Reva, is with me this morning, and we're glad uh, to be with you. We're sorry for the circumstances, the illness of uh, Brother Steve and others in your congregation, but we're pleased to be with you. Actually... I was supposed to be preaching at uh, First Baptist Church in Schulenburg this morning, uh, but so many in their church have come down with COVID this past week uh, that they have canceled their gathering together this morning. So be in prayer for your sister, your sister church this morning. And uh, as Brother Steve called me and asked me if I could come today because of his illness and and. Uh, because of what had happened at Schulenburg, I was available, and I'm glad to do that. And I asked uh, Brother Steve, I said, is there anything that you would like uh, for me to address in particular? And, and he said, well, he said, not really, just give our people a word of encouragement. So I pray that today uh, that you would hear a word of encouragement, not from me, uh, but from the Lord. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41, and we'll look at some scripture there in just a moment. You know, as I think back over the last 18 months or so, I'm reminded how things have changed in America. I remember after 9-11 how things changed. You know, we don't travel the way we used to travel. Uh, a whole lot more security than, than we've ever had before, but... In the last 18 months, even that traveling has changed. My wife and I just got back from a, a trip to Cozumel. We're divers, and we were down there for a couple of weeks diving. Beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, ocean scenery. And, and coming back, we had, to, uh, we had to get tested for COVID uh, not more than 72 hours before we traveled. You know, just one more little kink in the process kind of thing. And so things have changed. It's, uh, it's been a difficult change. Uh, things begin to happen so rapidly when the coronavirus came to America. Uh, as businesses started closing, churches started closing, schools started closing, we discovered uh, words and phrases that we had never heard before. All of a sudden, there were essential businesses when most of us always thought whatever business we were involved in, it was essential. Uh, but now we learn they're not all essential. Some are and, and some are not. Pandemics and infusions and virtual classrooms and social distancing, quarantining those who are not sick rather than those who are sick. These all became new to us, challenges to us. All of a sudden, we were wearing masks, and we were standing six feet apart from one another. We couldn't shake hands with one another. We came to church. You couldn't give somebody a, a, a holy kiss or a hug, you know, like it talks about in the Bible. There were just so many, many changes 
that it not only caught us off guard, but it really sort of set us back. And it's not just the virus, which is coming back, and now the strains are here, and now we're hearing that they're going to probably ask us to mask back up and do some of the things we were, and, and, and the uncertainty that's there. But when you just look at America in general, things are pretty much in chaos. No matter your political persuasion and setting aside your religious thoughts, the last election we had, either you got rid of the worst president you'd ever had in your lifetime, or you gained the worst president you've ever had in your lifetime. And America's divided. We're probably more divided now politically and socially than we've been since the Civil War. America's in chaos, really. And you and I know that we need revival. We need a touch from God. We need God to move among us and bring us back to where we are. But in the meantime, we have to admit that we are divided by Democrats and Republicans, blacks and whites, liberals and conservatives, socialists and capitalists. And for many Americans, it seems hopeless today. We just ask ourselves, what in the world's going on? Uh, what's going to come of all of this? Where are we going to be, not in a year or two years, where are we going to be in five years? And then we have personal situations that arise in our life. I mean, we just heard a, a moment ago about a, a tragic fire this morning that changed the lives of many people, and particularly one family with the death of a, of a father and a husband. And and suddenly, in an instant, it seems like things are hopeless in their life. Maybe you feel like that today. It, it might not be a tragic loss through death, but, but maybe you're going through a situation in life today where, uh, where, where the job that you have, the vocation that you have is sort of on the line in all that's going on in our world. Maybe you're looking at the stock market as a retired person. You're saying, I, I don't know where I'm going to be in a year from now. There's so much uh, improbability that's going on right now in the stock market. One day it's up, the next day it's down, and some days it's moving six, eight hundred points at a time. And you just say, you know, I just sort of feel like I'm in a hopeless situation. Well, as we come to Isaiah today, to the 41st chapter, what we're going to find today that Isaiah lived in a time that although it was a long time ago, it was not too unlike the days that we live in today. We can identify with it. He lived in, in days of the 18th century. It was a time when Judah, uh, the nation that he was the prophet to, he was a prophet of Judah, and of course there's Israel, but he was a prophet to Judah, and what he was seeing happening was uh, their nation was basically falling apart. They had watched as Israel had fallen into apostasy and had been taken captive by the Assyrians. And he was afraid and, and, and he looked at it and he saw that Judah was moving in the same direction that Israel had. And he was trying to warn them, trying to stop them. He was saying, look, folks, we've got to turn back to God. And isn't that the plea that you're hearing today from churches everywhere, from Christians in your Sunday school and Bible study classes from your pastor is folks, America needs to turn back to God. 
We've seen in the past what happens to nations who continuously walk away from God. And, and the call is being heralded that we need to move back to God. Well, Isaiah was heralding this. Uh, he, he had the ear of the king, King Ahaz. But unfortunately, King Ahaz wouldn't listen to him. Israel, like I said, had been taken captive by the Assyrians, and, and King Ahaz thought the way to sort of smooth things over with the Assyrians, who were now looking at Judah, was to make a pact with them, to make an agreement with them, to come uh, into collusion sort of with them. And you know, when I think about America, I see a lot of that going on in our government today, don't you? This isn't a message about government, but it is to say that that the similarities that were taking place in the 8th century B.C. were very similar to ours. Well, kings change over time. In America, presidents change. Congresses change. But the one thing that does not change is the God of the universe. To Isaiah... And the small group of faithful believers in Yahweh who were still in Judah, it looked like a hopeless situation. And they were crying out for a word from God. They were crying out, Lord, help us. Lord, tell us what's going on. Lord, show us the way. And so we look into Isaiah 41 and particularly verses 9 and 10 this morning, and we're going to find what I believe is a word from God to America today, which was a word to Judah in her day that says there is hope for the nation, for our churches, for our families, and for you. Now I want us to look at verse 10 first of all. In verse 10, he says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, we're going to look at those words a little bit more closely in just a moment. They're words of hope that God gives to us. But to really understand them fully, we have to look at verse 9, because in verse 9, we see who God is really talking to. He's speaking to Isaiah, but he's speaking through Isaiah to the believers in Judah. Look at verse 9. He said, I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. Christian friend, listen for just a moment. I want you to think back to the day of your salvation. Where were you in your life? You were lost in sin. You were separated from God. You were destined to an eternal hell. And probably a few minutes before Christ came into your life to touch you and to speak to you and to call you unto himself, you didn't even realize that. You were totally totally lost. Well, that's where Isaiah was. That's where the nation of Judah was. They, they, they were lost. 
He said, I took you from the ends of the earth. You were way out there. You were where nobody else could find you, but I found you. He said, from the farthest corners, from the depths of sin, from the bottomless pit, I called you. He didn't say from the farthest reaches of the earth, you came looking for me. No, he said, I found you. I came looking for you. And I called you. Aren't you glad God called you? Amen. Aren't you glad God came looking for you? And this morning, if you're here and you've never come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know something today. You're not here by accident or by happenstance. You're here because God is seeking you out. He loves you. He sent his only son to die for you. And this morning, he's going to be calling you, if he's not already, to come to him and give your life totally unto him. Now, look what else it says in verse 9. It says, not only did I search you out and call you from the furthest corners, he said, but you are my servant. Child of God, you're the servant of God. It's not just about the staff members or the praise team. The Bible study leaders, leaders, every one of us who is a child of God is a servant of God. We are called to serve him. We are his ambassadors. We are his spokesperson in our world, wherever that might be. It may be at a school. It may be at a, at a construction site. It may be at a factory. It may be in a neighborhood. Wherever it is, wherever you are, wherever you live, you are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're his servant. So God says, not only did I call you, but I made you an ambassador of mine. I made you my spokesperson in this world. Can, can, can you imagine that? That God would call you to represent him, the God of creation in the world. We're not worthy of that in any way. I'm not worthy to stand behind this pulpit and, and speak to you the morning, aside from the grace of Almighty God. And he's reminding Isaiah, Isaiah, do you remember the day I called you? Do you remember what's said in, in chapter six of, of the book of Isaiah when it, when it talks about God calling Isaiah and Isaiah went into the temple and he was there and, and the word of God said it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, he doesn't say it was in 832 B.C. or 826 B.C. He said it was, in the key, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. And one of the things that I share with Christians all the time, and they say, well, I don't remember the date that I was saved. You don't have to remember the date. You remember the encounter, right? I don't care who the president of the United States is. If he walked in that door right now and his secret service walked up, and said, the president wants to worship with you today, and he sat down, you would never forget this day. You would remember it. You might not remember the date. Well, Isaiah said, you know, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. And if you have time today, go back and read that sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah and read about how God came looking at the far reaches and the depths of sin that Isaiah was in. And he called Isaiah and he commissioned Isaiah. And at the end of that are those famous uh, words that probably most of us here today know where, G where God said to him, uh, whom shall we send and who will go 
for us. And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Have you come to that point in your life? You see, God looked to the depths of sin to find you. He called you out of that bottomless pit. And not only that, he has called you to serve him. And then he says in verse 9, he said, I have chosen you and not rejected you. God chose you. You didn't choose him. God ordained you. You didn't ordain him. God birthed you into his kingdom through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You didn't give birth to yourself. God chose you. But then what's amazing is he says, and I did not reject you. And one of the things I think about when I read those, verse, those words is this, that even as a, as a saved child of God, I have failed him. And you have failed him. And you understand that, but you know, even when we failed him, he didn't turn our back, his back on us. He doesn't reject us. He continues to love us. He continues to forgive us. He continues to lift us up. Why? Because we are his chosen people. Now, let me just ask you today, can you identify with that? Can you identify with who God was speaking to here? I took you from the farthest places. I called you out. I made you my servant. I chose you and I've never rejected you. Can you identify with that? Well, if you can, then there are some promises that we find in these verses of Scripture in, in verse number 10. And it says he, here, he says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Three promises that God makes to us who are his children. Three promises God makes to those who are called out, those of us who are set apart, those of us who are serving him, those of us who he will never reject. The first one, he says, I am with you. Listen, folks, that's important. Because there are times in our life when we think nobody's with us. Everybody's against us. I remember when I was a kid, we used to sing that song, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to eat some worms. <laughs> That's the way we feel sometimes. But in Joshua chapter 1, God said to Joshua, he said, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's a promise to us who are called out, who are saved, who are his chosen children. God is always with us. We can't get away from him. And I want to tell you, as a Christian, sometimes I sort of wish that wasn't true. Sometimes I act like, sometimes I say things that I wish God wouldn't hear, that God wouldn't be with me. But you know, he's always there. We can't get rid of him. He said, you can go to the highest mountains and I'm there. You can go to the deepest seas, and I am there. The psalmist said it like this. He says, where can I go to get away from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, 
If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Listen, folks, when it seems hopeless, remember this. God has not abandoned you. God is still there. God is still with you. And because he is always with us, there is hope. We are not to fear. Look at verse 10 again. He said, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not fear. That word translated fear into the English language, uh, uh, you know what it means? It means don't be afraid. Uh, that's pretty simple, isn't it? But, it? but in the Hebrew language, it means even more than that. It means don't have any feelings of distress. Don't even be anxious about it. And so this morning, maybe you're not afraid in the, in the way that we understand that term today, but, but maybe you are a little stressed out. God doesn't want you to be that way. Philippians 4, 6, and I know your pastor is in Philippians right now. In Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not be anxious about what? About anything. Why? Because he's with us. And he's God. He created it. He knows all that's going on even before it happens. To Joshua, he said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. And don't be terrified and don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So a word of hope today is God is with you. Secondly, he says, I am your God. So do not fear for I am with you and do not be dismayed for I am your God. Always remember that the God of creation, the God of the universe is not the Baptist God. He's your God. You're going to say that with me? Just say, he's my God. Can you say that? He's my God. Forget about everybody else in the room, folks. He's your God. What a word of hope to us that he cares about us individually. Do you realize that about 175 times in Scripture, God says to us, I am your God. God. He wants us to know it. He wants us to understand it. In the book of Revelation, he says, uh, John says this, he said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling place of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And folks, because he's our God, there's hope. We're not to be dismayed. Uh, dismayed is another interesting word there in the Hebrew language. It's, it, it's, a, it's a word that really has to do with paying attention. When we say dismayed, we think of sort of downhearted. But in the Hebrew language, what it meant is, is to pay attention, to, to look. I remember when I was a, a kid, my, my teacher sometime, I was a, you know, I had... Uh, 
whatever it's called, what's a C o OCD, before there was OCD, you know, before they had pills, my dad had a belt. Uh, but my teachers sometimes would get me when I didn't really quite understand. And, and I remember one teacher in particular, and she would get down there and she would say, Mitchell Edward, look me in the eyes. You ever had somebody tell you that? Look me in the eyes. See what I'm saying to you. Understand what I'm saying to you. And, and what this word dismayed means is don't miss that. Look God in the eyes. Let yourself see that he means what he says. When he says that I love you and that I will never leave you, look him in the eyes. Don't miss it. Because the God of our universe is our God. We don't have to be afraid. And we can trust what he says. <coughs> We should never turn away from him because we know who he is. We see it in his face. We see it in his eyes. We hear it in his voice. And listen, folks, he never changes, even when we do. For those who are parents today, you understand what it means to have an unfailing love for your child. And that's just a small portrait of God's love for us. He says, I am with you. I am your God. And then he says, I will uphold you. You know what he says? He says, I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, for something to be upheld, it has to be attached. I don't see anything I want to drop up here. I've got a little coin holder here. If I hold this little coin holder up right here, okay, for me to hold it up, it's got to be attached to my hand, right? Otherwise, I can't hold it up. If it's not attached, I can't hold it up. So, so God says to us, he says, not only, not only do I love you and not only have I called you out and not only are you mine and not only am I yours, but listen, I'm the one who holds you up. We are attached to him. And we can't become unattached. Satan cannot unattach us from God. Once we are saved, folks, we are bound to him by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we are, we are made his forever and forever and forever. And when we feel like there's no hope, when we feel like we're just going to sit down and give it all up, throw in the towel, maybe there's somebody here this morning who's just saying, I'm going to give my life up. I'm tired of it. It's over with. No, don't do that. Because when you can't hold yourself up, God is there to hold you up. You're his child. You know, I think about the story of the Amalekites attacking Israel. 
Over in Exodus chapter 17, you might remember that. There was this huge battle going on and, and uh, the Israelites and the Amalekites were down there in this valley and they were fighting one another and, and uh, one would get the upper hand on the other one and then the other one would come back and it was just a back and forth fight. And Moses was up on the hillside. And so Moses cried out to God and in crying out to God, Moses lifted his hands up. Do you remember that? And as long as Moses had his hands in the air, the Israelites were winning the battle. But Moses became tired. Moses was human. Moses was like you and Moses was like me and he got tired and before long he couldn't hold his hands up anymore so he, he put his hands down and when he did, what happened? The Amalekites began to overrun the Israelites. Sometimes in life, that's sort of the way we are. There's battles that are raging in our life and for a while we can do fine and, and for a while it seems like the battle is being won by our side, but then all of a sudden we get tired. We get deflated. We get overrun. We put our hands down. And then the other side begins to attack. And, and if we're not careful, we're going to get overrun. So we put our hands back up. And that's what Moses did. He put his hands back up. And when he did, the Israelites started winning the battle again. The Amalekites began to run, but then he got tired again. And probably it took him less time to get tired this time than it did before. And he put his hands down and his arms down. And, and all of a sudden, here came the Amalekites back and the Israelites began to get overrun again. And sort of sitting on the sidelines over there watching all of this was, was Aaron and Ur. And Aaron and Ur saw what was going on and they thought, you know, as long as Moses keeps his hands up, we're winning. He puts them down, we're losing. We got to do something. So they went over to him and they said to him, basically, they said, Moses, we know you're tired. Sit down on this rock and hold your hands up. And I can just, with my sanctified imagination, seeing, say, Mo, see Moses sitting there saying, hey guys, I can't do it anymore. I'm so tired, I can't do it anymore. But there were his buddies. Aaron and Ur, and they say, come on, Moses, put your hands up. Put your hands up one more time. So Moses put his arms up one more time to God, and Aaron and Ur moved in on both sides of him, and they held his arms up. And the Israelites won the battle. You see, this morning, I believe that's a picture of what God was saying to Isaiah. He said, Isaiah, I'm there. When you're tired, when you're overwhelmed, when you feel hopeless, when it looks like everything is falling in on you, I am there to hold you up. But Christian friend, today we can rest assured that our God is there to give us strength and to give us help. And this morning it may seem like you're in a hopeless situation. It might seem like America is in a hopeless situation. It might seem like your family is in a hopeless situation, or maybe you personally are in a hopeless situation. But I want you to know that as a child of God, He came seeking you, He found you, He saved you, He commissioned you, He has empowered you, and He is your God. Amen. And He is with you, and He will never leave you. 
And in the darkest hours, he will be there to hold you up. There is hope in the midst of hopelessness this morning. And that hope is in our God, our Savior, our Redeemer. And this morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you feel hopeless in your sin, and you might say to me if we were talking one-on-one and personally, Brother Mitch, you don't know the sin that's in my life. And you're right, I don't. You might say to me, Brother Mitch, you don't know how far away I've run from God. And you'd be right, I don't. But I do know this. I know the God who searched out to the farthest reaches of the earth found me. And he forgave me. And he brought me into his family by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll do the same thing for you today. And it's not hopeless. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? If that's you today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I would ask you this morning, right where you sit in the quietness of this moment, just turn your heart to Him and call upon Him and be honest with Him. You feel His presence. It's that undescribable pressure, that undescribable still small voice that you hear in your heart. That's God speaking. That's God searching for you. He's found you this morning and today He's calling you and and He's saying, I love you in, in spite of all of your sin, in spite of where you are, in spite of your hopeless situation, I care for you. And this morning I want you to know I'm your God and I loved you enough to send my only begotten Son to die on the cross for you. Three days later, I reached into the bowels of the earth and I picked him up and I raised him from the dead, never to die again. And I want to give you that same kind of resurrected life today. And if you'll but cry out in your heart to God and say, Father, forgive me. Come into my life. Today, he will become your God. Your personal God. Your shepherd, your keeper, the lover of your soul. In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'll be here at the front. There'll be deacons down here. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if you would say a prayer and ask Christ to forgive you of your sin today. If you would come and share that. The reason I ask you to do that is because every person that Jesus ever called to follow him, he called them publicly. He said, come, follow me. Come, follow me. We won't ask you to make any statement publicly today, but we'll talk about it. We'll pray with you. There may be others here today. Listen, you're going through a challenging time in your life. Maybe it feels hopeless. Maybe you're just ready to sit down and give it all up know today that your God is there to hold you up, to lift you up, to encourage you, to be with you wherever you go. The altar is open.
You pray where you are. You pray here. But the main thing I would ask today is that you listen to that still small voice of God as He speaks to your heart and that you respond to Him and to Him alone. I want to pray and then the praise team will lead us. Father, it is in the powerful and effective name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we bow before you right now and ask you to move, to move among us, to challenge us in a new way, to, to move us to a new place, to encourage us in a new way, to help us to see and understand that COVID will not defeat us. The political process will not defeat us because you are with us and because you're our God. We lift it to you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's stand together. You come as God leads you this morning. This is your time. It's God's invitation.